How do we be Salesian? And the first one is friend. Okay, learning how to do that, learning how to be a friend, because there's something about friendship that's how often the young people save us. The young people are really protagonists, and it's not just a one-way thing. So that friendship of reciprocity, that give and take, this idea of trust, affection, I feel completely at home amongst you. Welcome back to Valdoko. I'm Vicky. I'm Amy. And I'm Father Steve. Thrown everyone off, thrown off by the rotation that's not how that works <laughs> welcome Keep back it. everybody to valdoco we're all three of us together in the same room in the great yeah. yeah welcome back victoria thank you so much it's so good to be back vicky how was miami it was amazing wow for everybody <laughs> it was they so all good a recording of that now <laughs> it's really good it's happy to go home and spend time with my family and my friends that are there. And it was just so good. It's not really ever restful, but it's really good. <laughs> and what about the SLR? We spoke a little bit when we were about the Salesian Leadership Retreat. Mm, Do you have any things one. you want to? Yeah, it was a good retreat. I'm like, just, yeah, continually, continually like amazed by the participants. And um, I guess just like their openness and like the depth that they're like willing to, I don't know like yeah just like what they're willing to do with how they're willing to share um and get to know each other because i think i've just realized more and more like how difficult it can be to like open up to people they don't know especially at that age and like where they are right now and um she's like not normal anymore so it's always amazing to see how the holy spirit can work through the young people that show up but then also like the young team really beautiful really energized it was um a retreat that had a lot of new things um like first for us um so beautiful to see like those like dreams come to life um and then of course the core team um uh, just amazed um at like what relationship does and what friendship does um for a team and then that we have like such good solid people that when we bring in new people um it feels seamless like there's a such an incredible support system uh, that's welcoming and open and, and inviting to like new members of the Salesian family that are joining us on core team. And it, it just is, it's such a gift, um, to like be, uh, a part of it, but then also like to be the person that's like watching it happen and, and watching the way that they work, um, and how their, their generosity really like just changes everything, you know, that they're really willing to give every part of themselves, um, for six days straight um no breaks no nothing and they just give um so it's just amazing and i'm like thankful that they're not only our team but our friends um yeah so it's really a beautiful retreat um yeah just thankful that we still get to have this gift in front of us and and live the dream so it's good and start preparing for the next one let's go first (laughs) february then march two in february (laughs) we'll see that's good. And even just, I mean, now you just sent out a, a little thing to the young team to kind of get an update and just hearing some of the kids, yeah. like starting things in their schools or, you know, going back to the busyness of their of the life schedule, but mm-hmm. still trying to stay in touch, still trying to, you know, live the faith in, in whatever way they can yeah. in, in their school community and trying to help run the many things that the youth ministry programs do in our schools and just to see the young people, how, how generous they're being. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I think I love that part the most about um like post slr with our young team specifically is like being able to move into this um i don't know like building or continually continually trying to build the like the the foundation of this 
like young adult relationship um, with them. You know, like they're our future core team. Um, and I'm just excited to see the way that like they'll continue to serve, excited to see the way that they'll inspire their peers um, and the juniors that they led in their schools, but then also like later on, like there's so much potential and I, I really can see it. Um, and they want it, you know, like they want to be on, on core team. They want to serve the Slesian family and um, they want to serve their schools. So it's, it's just, it's so good. It's really, really good. So just thankful for this retreat and that it was the first one of our academic year um, or our pastoral year. And we'll see what happens next. That's right. We'll see. God is good though. So it's going to be good. Amen. Amen, Amen brother. <laughs> All right, so we're back here with the. Uh, we've got a couple more episodes, I think, about uh, the life of St. John Bosco, so we're going to continue. <laughs> trying to figure it out. I think there's two more after this. Okay, cool. But How right, much more knowledge do you have? I don't know. I'm yeah, running, I'm running out of knowledge. Running out of knowledge. <laughs> Need to go back to Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. Well, next year. And I'll be there in June. So, but uh, just to continue, um, just to continue with the life of Don Bosco, and today we're going to go over. He's just ordained, and so the, basically just three years. So it's kind of a simple, a simple section of his life. Um, but the three years, for me, it really is It's one of the best. And just doing the research now and kind of going through my notes and everything, really kind of the moment where everything comes together. So all of his, you know, the, the things that happened to his, him in his childhood, both good and bad, then his education and all the talents and everything that he learned throughout his time in Kiri, and then the seminary and... Uh, just kind of going through his life and the discernment and his dreams and everything kind of just comes together in this moment. Uh, he had really good mentors, some really beautiful and difficult experiences. Um, but St. John Bosco says that these three years were the years that he learned to be a priest. And uh, and for me, it was actually really beautiful just to pray with because, okay, I'm kind of in the same situation. No, Two years ordained, going into my third year and really trying to learn how to be a priest and what that means. Because um, even St. John Bosco says, okay, we learn a lot of theology, we do a lot of studies, but that does not mean at all that you're a priest. I mean, you're a priest by ordination, but you're not, you don't really know what you're doing. You're kind of all book smart and you don't have any experience. Um, and so St. John Bosco really gets thrown into some pretty heavy experiences. Uh, so for me, just to kind of go through a little bit of what call, is called the Convito, you know, the Pastoral Institute. And so he goes there November 3rd, 1841. Okay, and he's, or, he's ordained in June 5th. Right, so he's he's ordained June fifth, and then he goes in November third. Um, so he has some time uh, to kind of enjoy. He goes, what I saw, I don't know. I guess what I call like the walk of gratitude, because really he was able to go back. Um, so after his ordination, he has this first mass right there at the convito. Really, I was thinking about my mom would go nuts because nobody was invited. It was like a first mass with nobody there, just basically him and and Halakofaso. Uh, and uh, you know, no family was there. It was really just a mass of, of gratitude of Thanksgiving. And, um, but just to see him describe it and how he goes through and really recognizing all the people that helped him all the way back down to like Don Colasso. I'm sure he remembered his mom and just all the experiences and people who, who helped him over the years. Um, so really, I just see this kind of as like a walk of gratitude. He celebrates there at the Convito. Then he goes to Kiri, he goes to Castanovo. So he's going back to all these different places and he even goes to, um, you know, he sees and he talks about the place where he had the dream. And also he goes back and he's like emotional about being now a priest and thinking back to when he was at the age of nine and he had the dream and now looking through all those years and okay, now he's finally a priest and he's starting to begin, uh, you know, some sort of ministry. And so 
just to hear him describe. And then I think about my own life. No, and I think we've talked about it before, going back to certain places. So like going, remembering when I went to this place in high school and then going back in college and then going back after college and then going back. So the place is exactly the same. The view is the same. Everything is the same, but I'm different. And I've had all these different experiences. Um, I don't know if you guys have had those kind of, yeah. You want to speak about (laughs) (laughs) trying to make this interactive? (laughs) Yeah, like I every time I go back to La Salle, I think there's like my favorite places on campus, and you know, not every time that I'm there, I don't get to see them. But okay, yeah, seeing how first I think seeing how the school has changed and imagining myself like there now, but then okay, like I'm super different, and I'm in like a some a role that I like never imagined in general. Like working in youth ministry was not my dream. so I think just being able to be part of the Silesian family, but then go back to the Silesian place, like my first Silesian home or the place that I like met the Silesians and like had that moment of, okay, like the brain faith versus heart faith. Okay. Yeah. Like I felt something here for the first time that it, it connected and it moved and it changed. Um, and then, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just different places in my life for like university when I go back to where I went to school and then thinking about, okay, all the friends that it gave me and like the connections and like the family that it really, really gave me and how it, you know, like offered me this place to grow and become like who, you know, so part of who I am now. So it's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those moments that everything is the same and you're the thing that's different, you know, and that there's other people there now that are experiencing something. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful and hard, but also, I mean, good to be able to look back and it gives you that little, like, um, the gift of time yeah. to like look back and that space to look back. Yeah. 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 I think similar to what Vicky was saying, I moved away for the first time in my life. I live somewhere outside of my hometown and I live in a new, new state and to go back to the places that built me and that shaped me into the person who I am. So whether those are good memories or bad memories, but it's kind of tainted by now being older and being away from that to, to go back to those places and just know, just kind of have like that sentimental view of it is I am who I am standing here today because of these places, mm-hmm. again, whether they were good or bad, but to have that distance and to come back to, I think really puts everything in perspective, kind of the difference between what were the problems then and how like looking back, like so many of those struggles, they were so small, um, like going back to my high school or going back to my parish where, where I really like started in the faith but like then grew in the faith and to to kind of see those differences to see to go by my grade school but to see that difference of who I am now who I was then and like that gratitude for for all those moments that brought me here yeah not great and definitely those who are listening I invite you to to think about those those moments or those places to kind of go back to them and it's good for us to have those moments of reflection to see okay where we've come from what we've learned and really just trying to be grateful for for our life and grateful for the people in our lives and the the experiences that we've had, both good and bad, because Navasco had a lot of really tough and difficult experiences, Um, but he was grateful because they they helped him, they shaped him, they gave him a lot of, uh, you know, perseverance, strength, whatever. He learned a lot from these different things, so both good and bad, just looking at these experiences. And then, okay, he comes to his ordination and then he makes a lot of resolutions, which are, it's kind of funny for us because it's not maybe the Don Bosco that we get, but Don Bosco was a priest of that time and he is super zealous and ready to go. So if you read his nine resolutions, I'm not going to read them like all the way through, but some of them, the first ones, I will not go for walks. <laughs> oh, right? Isn't that I don't sad? know if we could be friends. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
right? So I'll not go for walks unless it's like visiting the sick or something demands. I will make good and careful use of my time. I will not shrink from suffering. Uh, the one that we hear a lot is that may the love and gentleness of St. Francis de Sales be my guidelines in all things. Um, I will be satisfied with whatever food is served to me. Uh, I will not drink wine unless it is mixed with water and only if it's a remedy. That work is a powerful weapon, so I will work hard. I will set aside each, t- uh, each day, I will set aside time for meditation and spiritual reading um, and make a, ble- a brief visit to the Blessed Sacraments. And then 15 minutes before Mass to prepare and 15 minutes after Mass to give thanks, which is mm-hmm. beautiful. I wish I could do more of that. And then I will not indulge in conversation with women. <laughs> Do you want us to go? Actually, this <laughs> I'm was... Victor, and that's Emil over there. Oh my gosh. This was... Uh, that should have been number one. This was the point to tell you guys are off the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Surprise. Surprise. Georgia slams Cliff. <laughs> but you just see... Wow. Like the zealousness of his... So a lot of it is because of chastity, yeah. trying to be virtuous. And most of it is just in like pastoral he just wants to use good use of his time so okay not going for walks but we know that he went for hikes with the young people all the time so it's like really trying to to die to himself and give everything for the mission give everything for the young people to like work and virtue and you start to see all these things like temperance um work hard like all of the things that we now have uh, he we see him trying to put it into practice and try to live it but also with the the time of this is 19th century spirituality so it's it's very tough, yeah. um, but not as tough as other, because we'll, we'll hear, right? In that time, there was some really big movements of like rigorism, of the Jansenism, like those who were saying really, really tough um, moral theology. And we'll see that in this convito, in the Pastoral Institute, they're learning a, a moral theology that is, yeah, not as rigorous, that's w- way more open to freedom, way more open to compassion, way more open to um, just meeting people where they are and being kind of this accompaniment process rather than just like black and white, you're going to hell or you're not going to hell kind of thing. So it wasn't yet practical theology, but it was still moral theology. So he was doing, he was sent there to do moral theology and preaching. Those were the two things that were kind of, uh, Don Capasso said, go to the, come to the convito, you're going to learn moral theology, and but it's really like the practical aspect of more. So how okay. to be a good confessor okay. um, and really a lot of the pastoral experiences. So it's, it's what we would call, I guess, practical theology, practical theology. Um, but with an emphasis on, on morality. And okay. in the time there, they're going through a big change. The Jesuits are, are kind of proposing a new kind of moral theology that's less rigorism, less uh, Jansenist. Um, so I'm not going to go through all that. One, I really can't. But there's just a whole kind of revolution in the church of, um, yeah, what do we do with sin? How do we, how do we know that we're sinners? And then, but what do we do with that? And what is the way that it, to be a confessor? Because uh, there's one way to be a confessor of just saying, okay, like you're going to hell or really black or white or really like strong, um, really like hard. Um, and then there's another way of, of compassion, of mercy, of recognizing the sin, but at the same time recognizing that we, we need to grow, we need to mature, we need to learn. Um, so he was getting a lot of, um, yeah, just different. And, and he came at a good time because the people who started the convito were, it's kind of in reaction to this rigorous. So we have Danguala and Dan Cafaso. So Don Bosco came at the exact time when this whole thing started. So again, another moment of just being blessed in that way, like being at the right time, uh, right place, right time to receive this uh, this formation, which was really uh, because it was founded in 1817, right? And then the patron is St. Francis of Sales, right? So you see all of these things where he's, where he's learning um, and getting these examples. So he's there to study moral theology. 
Um, and the whole point was it was trying to turn out priests who could respond to the new real situation in which the common people lived. And at that time, it was like all of this immigration. So I even think about our own time, right? Like, I really, I mean, I cherish the experience I'm getting, but I wish we had a little bit more, like, practical, especially for me, I guess, because I'm in an office, I'm vocations, and so I'm not getting the, the same experience as maybe the guys that went to a school or went to a parish first. Um, but Don Bosco was put into the situation where he was able to learn, still study, but in a real concrete and, and become really face-to-face -face with what's going on. Um, with all the immigration people coming in, a lot of the poverty and abandonment of the people in prisons and all these things. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, they went there to learn how to be to learn how to be pastoral priests, to really learn how to be a priest, to be a confessor. Um, and that's what Don Cafaso really did for so many people um, in that intern. He was known as like a great formator, great spiritual director, somebody who dedicated all their time to, to confession, to spiritual direction, uh, forming people, uh, but at the same time, going to the prisons, right? Going to administer to those who were abandoned, who were on death row, um, those who are really, really... Yeah, abandoned in that society, he was there. And so just that beautiful example of being a priest, both okay, very intelligent, very much spiritual director, confessor, but also right there with the, the most poor and most abandoned. So um, really a beautiful example for Don Bosco and a, a beautiful example for us. Um, and so, yeah, as we talk about um, him going to this convito, he spends three years there, so 1841 to 1844. And it's in this moment where we have all those like big moments. So Don Bosco goes to the prison for the first time. Um, maybe not the, yeah, basically the first time he goes and the way that he describes it obviously is it's in his memoirs. Um, just seeing that this is what it says in the memoirs that I saw large numbers of young lads aged from 12 to 18, um, where I soon learned how great was the malice and misery so that there were fine, healthy youngsters, alert of mind, but seeing them idle there infested with lice, lacking food for body and soul horrified me. Um, and then it says here that what shocked him the most was that many of them were released, full of good, good resolutions, but then in a short time they landed back in prison within a few days of their release. And so just recognizing for him, really like just the abandonment of the issue, like they, they, they have good hearts, there's something good there, he can see that, but you know, when they go out they have nobody. And this is for me really that has kind of captivated my priesthood and my spirituality of this like friendship of, of the Slesians. That uh, Damasco says, who knows? If these youngsters had a friend outside who could take care, um, teach them religion and help them, who knows if they could be steered away from ruin. And so that old idea of like, if they only had a friend on the outside, that things would be different for them. And I think that really sums up for me Salesian spirituality. Um, and that's something we spent a lot of time on in, in Quito was this theme that we talked about a couple, maybe a couple episodes ago about Don Bosco's abandonment, uh, being abandoned, okay, losing his father, losing Don Colasso, um, having to go away and spend time away from his family in the Moglio farm. So all of these things really feeling the abandonment um, because over and over again, they said it wasn't primarily poverty that he was worried about. There's a lot of poor people, but Don Bosco was really trying to minister to those who were abandoned, those who were, had no homes, no families, who were in prison, who were on the streets, um, and so just recognizing we kind of went through trying to dissect a little bit of what it meant um, for our Salesian spirituality, our kind of this idea of being, um, yeah, being Salesian. And there were four main points that, I don't know, kind of stuck out to me that I offer here of how to be, how do we be Salesian? And the first one is friend, okay, learning how to do that, learning how to be a friend, um, because there's something about friendship that's, okay, the reciprocity, 
And down there, we spoke a lot about how often the young people save us. So it's not just it's not just us who are doing the ministering. It's not just us who are the ones. No, the young people are really protagonists, and they are really they really save us. They give us a mission. They 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 love us. They heal us. They there's so many things that the young people give to us, and it's not just a one way thing. So that friendship of reciprocity, that give and take, this idea of trust, affection. Um, Father Lou used to say it all the time on the LRs, like, I feel completely at home amongst you. So this idea of wanting to be, just wanting to be with young people. And uh, we see in this time of the Convito that Don Bosco says, like Don Cafaso is asking him, what's going on? What do you want to do with your life? How do you want to be a priest? And Don Bosco says, like, I envision myself or I see myself in the, in the midst of a multitude of, of boys, in the midst of the multitude of young people. And just seeing, like, that is the priest. Or that is the Silesian priest or Silesian brother. Right in the midst of a multitude of young people, right, not above, not below, not away from, but really in the midst, in the middle of, of young people, and that's how Don Bosco saw himself. But it took him a long time to figure it out, and that was one of the big recognitions for me. Is okay, he had all these dreams, all of these things, he had all of these mentors, all of these things happening, and after ordination, during those three years, he still almost left to go join the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Like he almost left to go be a missionary somewhere. Um, and of course, thank God for Don, Don Cafaso. And he said, no, like, don't forget about being a religious. Stay here and, and do the work for the young people. And little by little, he was able to help him kind of find his way. Um, but so the first thing is like this friendship. The second one is gentleness. How Don Bosco treated these kids who were really rough, who were really lost, who were really not only just like emotionally or spiritually, but also physically. They were covered in, in ant, like parasites mm -hmm. and... They say that Don Cafaso, when he went to the prisons, he had to go home and change all his clothes because they were covered in like lice or parasites or whatever. So just like the, the sheer horror of those situations, of those prisons. Um, and then to see how, you know, Don Bosco treated each and Don Cafaso with, with great gentleness and compassion. Um, so really the heart of St. Francis de Sales you see there. And so this idea, okay, so friendship, gentleness, and then this accompaniment, like this walking with um, that Don Bosco didn't want to just give things and then not, uh, you know, not do anything. He wanted to, to walk with them and accompany them. And so this great side-by-side -side relationship that I think sets Salesians apart, um, that we are side-by-side -side with the young people, um, the same thing, kind of being in the midst with them, sharing life with them. Um, so really that home aspect, you know, that they are in the home, they are working, they are doing something. So this accompaniment. And then the last thing, like Don Bosco, edu education, okay, that he wanted to teach them. He wanted to teach them about the faith, um, but he also wanted to teach them a trade. He wanted to teach them something to, to send them back into the world. So like those four things really stuck out to me about like the Salesian spirituality and, and how we are meant to heal, how we're meant to minister. So as a friend, great gentleness, this idea of accompaniment, walking side by side, and then always in, in terms of education, like we are educators. I met with somebody the other day and like, oh, you're a teaching order. And I go back and like, I always go... You know, I always go against that idea. And same with like Sister Hajin, we always say, okay, we're, we're not a teaching order. Like we're, we're education. That doesn't mean teaching is like, always seems like we're in a classroom. We're not always in a classroom. That's not always where education happens. Um, so we are educators, but that can happen on the streets, catechism, in a classroom, outside a classroom, on a sports field, right? We were meant to be educators, um, educators to life and, and to faith. So right, these are kind of the things that Don Bosco is starting to see in those three years. He's visiting the prisons. He's gathering people in the oratory. He's gathering young people um, for catechism. But also, that this is something that Don Cafaso started. Again, 
recognizing that Don Bosco wasn't so original, right? There's all of these things already happening in Turin. We talked about that in the other episodes, but that uh, Don Cafaso was gathering young people for catechism. And he was focusing on, I guess, the chimney sweepers were like a big group <laughs> that used to come in. Um, they used to be like migrants. So from the country, they would come in during the season of chimney sweeping and they would be there and there really nobody wanted anything to do with them because they were filthy, dirty. And they, you know, they would clean the chimneys of, of the, all of the houses. Um, so that was one group, then the prisoners, and then just the young people who were on the streets, he would try to gather and he would send the young priests like Don Bosco and everybody to go and try to find them and bring them in. So, um, so we see, okay, Don Bosco continuing something that Don, Don Cafaso already started. And then this is the great story of Bart Gorelli, Bartholomew Gorelli. You know, he, was, he would have been one of the people who, who was brought in. Um, so he came in for mass. So he would have known that this was a place where people gather, young people are welcome here in a certain sense. Like they had the catechism in, in, the, in the sacristy. And then they had the oratory in that little patio, right? We were there. We did rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <coughs> um, so really amazing that the, the little patio of this, of this sacristy is tiny. But Don Bosco would have gathered 25, 50, I think up to like 70, something yeah, something like that. Um, so any way he could to try to be and to gather um, yeah, with the young people. And, uh, but just recognizing that was something that Don, Don Cafaso started. And, um, and then so seeing, okay, seeing the prisons, seeing, gathering the young people, and then little by little, he's coming to the close of his three years and having to make a decision. And that's where Don, Don Cafaso really just helps Don Bosco discern um, because, again, he wants to go to the Oblate, to the Virgin Mary. He doesn't know what he should do. I'm sure that he was getting a lot of offers because he was like he was a, a very zealous young priest. So he could have went anywhere and he could have made a lot of money. Um, but, you know, I think uh, in one of the books that kind of written, um, we see Don Cafaso talk about uh, give advice to um, to one of the other priests about Don Bosco. And he says, see if you can find him a job that will keep him in the capital. It is absolutely necessary. With his energy and zeal, he will do much good to young people. He is destined by divine providence to become the apostle of Turin. Wow. Right? So that's Don Cafaso recognizing in Don Bosco something great, something right that he had to stay in the capital. He had to figure out. So, you know, in the next episode, we'll talk about how, okay, Don Bosco leaves and he goes to um, the Marquesas Barolo, he goes to this place where he starts to minister to, uh, to girls, but at the same time have a place for his oratory, and then we'll go through like this whole wandering oratory until you get to Valdoco. Um, but just seeing that, uh, yeah, just seeing Don Bosco learned so much in this moment of how to be a priest, how to be a good confessor, how to be, um, really meet with the, the misery and abandonment of Turin, and then he started to kind of form. So when he had that experience in the prison, he starts to think about, okay, what, what can we do? What is a practical way to respond? And I think that's, that's really is, you know, Don Bosco's heart is, okay, something terrible, or I have this experience, or I have this dream, or whatever, but how can I do this practically? What, is, what do I do now to solve the problem? What do I do now to offer something to these young people? And, uh, and that was, yeah, that was kind of his moment there. Um, and I guess two last things... I used to think that this convito was, I don't know, something beautiful for the town and they would have walked around like kings and everybody would have loved them, but I guess it wasn't true, right? I, I just read in that in the view of many, perhaps most among clergy, the pastoral institute was nothing but a hotbed of laxism or outright heresy even. Oh my God. Hence, pastoral institute students were regarded with such suspicion and held in such low esteem 
that Paris priests would refuse to take Pastoral Institute graduates as assistants. My gosh. So again, a, another example of Don Bosco, like it was not easy. I just, I always pictured Don Bosco walking around like king, like everybody <laughs> loved him, everybody just, but really there were so many, so many instances of him not being liked or him, people thought he was crazy and they would all come to Don Cafaso and Don Cafaso said, just leave him. <laughs> leave him <laughs> let him be right the more you try to understand the bosco the more you're gonna un misunderstand him like just let him let him be he's doing work for god he's he's like taken care of we're together whatever just let him be let him be um and so yeah and so i guess lastly for me one thing of just recognizing that don cafaso in this moment is huge he has some other ones there's Danguala who has started the convito there's don burrell who is uh he's the one that like went with Don Bosco to the Marchese Barolo and really walked with him side by side, which was beautiful. Um, then you also have Golizio, you know, so there's a lot of different people there who are giving really good examples. But Don Cafaso was only four years older. And I think that's something we always forget because in the movies, they kind of show him as an older, but he was only four years older. He was born in 1811. Um, and he's really small and frail and kind of sickly. And he had a, he like stooped over. So if something was wrong. So he like, uh, you see him up there? Yeah, yeah, the picture, the way his like shoulder oh, is over. up. Yeah, like that was that was who he was. So on the outside, he would have looked, yeah, not uh, perhaps not the most attractive or most vibrant person, um, but he was a powerhouse, like a spiritual powerhouse, and uh, ordained in 1833, right? So I guess there, there's the big difference. So when Damasco was ordained, Damasco was ordained in 1841, Don Cafaso was ordained in 1833. Mm -hmm. So that's eight years that there's a lot of wisdom and experience there for Don Cafaso. Um, but really, yeah, what he did for Don Bosco was, was amazing. Um, and then he died in 1860. He was only 49, 50 years old. Mm. And then again, another moment that I didn't really hear, and even in here it didn't, write, didn't speak much about it in the book, but that Don, Don Bosco was not able to go to be with Don, Don Cafaso at his death. Like the last few days, he was not allowed to go because people were suspicious that he was gonna, he was going for money, <sighs> that he was looking to get the inheritance for from uh, Don Cafaso, and so at the, he wasn't able to well, administer. He, did, yeah. he wasn't according to the the book that he, yeah he wasn't able to be there the last few days, um, which is really uh, really sad. But of course, um, you know Don Calasso. For all of the oratory, when he died, he gave him like 5,000 lira. He cleared all the debts. He gave him all the property. So, you know, he was well. <laughs> he didn't need to. <laughs> he didn't need to. Uh, it was written in the will. Yeah. Um, People need to mind their own business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to kind of put this all together, uh, in Ecuador, we really, like the process of incarnation um, was really like the theme of that, this part of kind of studying all of Don Bosco's experiences, all of his studies, everything that went on. And then in these three years, it's kind of that process of incarnation where all of that spiritual kind of hits humanity and they come together and he becomes really this, this priest with his feet on the ground, uh, really practical with, with experiences and starting to then recognize that he was, he was called to be uh, the friend of the young and to, to really go out and start the oratory. And, and we'll see after 1844, as he starts to do, like put together these oratories on his way to Beldoco and then a sooner, sooner, uh, starting the congregation in 1859. So just recognizing that this moment of like discernment and prayer, but really in mission, um, where everything kind of becomes incarnate and becomes really, okay, he's a priest now, the dreams are coming true, but now he's got to be practical and put it into practice and see how difficult and how much suffering there's going to be there. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of the experience that I, at least to share, there's so much more that you could talk about in these three years, um, but really a moment for Don Bosco to really uh, become the priest that he was going to be and to then get sent out um, and really work with and for the young people. So for me, beautiful, beautiful moment of Don Bosco's life. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved going when um, like I've been able to go twice and it's just been like beautiful each time. And I think the first time I went, I was so overwhelmed just thinking like of exactly that. Like this is where like Don Bosco became Don Bosco. This is where he learned like so much where he was challenged and then just learning about the friendship with um, with with Father Cafaso was just, I mean, out of this world because it was like someone that like really accompanied him like throughout his priesthood and like who he went to confession to and yeah. And who like pushed him who was like, okay, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to the prisons, you know? And, um, yeah, that he like modeled everything and got to speak to and share with whatever and like, and become, you know, who he was meant to be. And it was just, it was amazing, a really amazing to see it. Um, yeah, this like place that formed, but it's like incredible to hear like more about it, obviously, and um, especially like how people looked at it because it was like it was an added thing, like to like him becoming a priest and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and just like the church itself, like how beautiful and really, I mean, old and um, and also the that like piece Father Mike Pace like talks about it, um, like the altar where. Um, St. John Bosco like celebrated his first mass with Father Cafaso like Mary Help of Christians is right over it but he wouldn't have known yeah he was like he never that wouldn't have meant anything to him that like this banner that says Mary Help of Christians um, would have been up there but like just like like this this divine providence like throughout St. John Bosco's life that everything meant something and pointed somewhere and then why we're here you know and and what got us here Um, but all of the ways that like God put people and things and moments and buildings <laughs> in his life that then like are are beautiful like it's not just coincidence it really like beautiful divine providence of Mary of Christians like watching over him as he like became this person and and even what is that the that he had a dream the night before he left or something what was that do you remember Mm-mm. left what before he left the the convito that he had a dream the last night i can't remember i think it i don't know i can't remember i don't want to say it wrong but um yeah father might i would have to look at the journals or something but um yeah also on the instagram stories if you go and look at it um so you can like actually see like pictures and stuff like that but really amazing like amazing to hear about it so i'm glad you shared anything amy uh for me there was two different things that stuck out so the one part when you were talking about kind of the four aspects that stuck out stuck out for you during this time period that really turned into like this Salesian spirituality, the friendship, the gentleness, the accompaniment, and the education. Like when we have these modern day, like hard moral issues that we talk about, how do we approach this? How do we talk to young people about this? How do we talk to each other about this? And there's no easy answer, but people want the easy answer it's so beautiful to see that in the Slesian spirituality, there is this answer that isn't easy, but it really is the best answer of whenever there's issues of how to love somebody, but also try to correct them, but also like love who they are, where they are right now. And to meet them there, like it's about friendship. It's about gentleness. It's about accompaniment and it's about education. And it's not the easy answer because you can't just say this is the formula for the perfect sentence that you say to somebody, but this is the answer. And so to be able to, to offer that to people 
Um, and that Slesian so often or ahead of the times accompaniment has become this big word in the Catholic church for the past, like, I don't know, five plus years, but Slesians have been talking about this since the 19th century. So it's like, welcome. Um, you know, <laughs> we, uh, we've been talking about this for a while now and not that every person in the Slesian family is an expert, but to really have this gift of how to approach difficult situations in a way that. Now, knowing the Slesians, it seems so obvious, and yet in other areas, it's so not obvious at all. And then the other thing that struck me was just talking about St. John Bosco's resolutions, and then even when you were reading from the memoirs, um, that St. John Bosco was talking about these resolutions of those who left the prisons. And what are my resolutions? We're only given a certain amount of time every day in our lives. Um... And that changes so much based off of what stage of life that we're in. And yet a lot of times we can get so wrapped up in life that we don't realize that we need to reevaluate that. So when I was in a relationship, but I wasn't yet married, I could have a lot of free time where I'm able to kind of decide like I want to go for walks or hikes. And then I also want to watch this on TV and I also want to do yoga and I also want to read and my whole day can be filled with work and then all these other things that are kind of for me. But now I'm in a new stage of life where I'm married and having to really evaluate what are actually the most important things that I want to spend my time doing because now my time is not entirely my own to decide. So how am I going to separate that between work, between faith, between things that I enjoy and then between time with my spouse? And so that can be for when you're changing the transition from being in school to being in, in a professional work setting. That can be the transition from being single to being in a relationship. Or that could be from fully entering into the vocation that God's calling you to, um, whether that's religious or married, but um, single. But to actually have that time when you reflect and think about what are my resolutions, because the resolutions are really going to be what you focus on, what is then going to drive you. And if you don't give the time to evaluate that, if you don't give the commitment to them, you may have resolutions and then they fall away. Or you may have no resolutions and then you end up with, with this waste of time. And so I was really inspired that that kind of, you know, was something that St. John Bosco was making for his own life, but then also saw in others and kind of the, the success of it and also the failure of it. Wow, beautiful. So it's, yeah, something to think about for all of us. Not to kind of, I don't know, he had a beautiful way of taking life seriously, but also having a lot of fun. And I think that's for me, trying to find that balance of really trying to take my life seriously, try not to waste time, trying to really focus, but at the same time, like be joyful and have fun and, and recognize that we're, we're meant for a, a beautiful life, but yeah, to really, yeah, to try to take it seriously. Um, so good. Yeah. Recognizing that this is supposed to be an example for us. So why am I sharing all these things? It's not just to learn a historical figure, but Don Bosco really is, okay, present today in the Slesian family, but also just to give us motivation to, yeah, think about our own life and, and making sure that you're walking for somebody, walking with somebody, having somebody that you can talk to, right? We see in this moment that over and over again, there would be, like we could say this about a lot of people, there would be no Don Bosco without Mama Margarita. There would be no Don Bosco without Don Calasso. There would be no Don Bosco without Don Cafaso, without all of these people. And to be humble enough, okay, Don Bosco was pretty stubborn, probably pretty prideful, like really struggled with, he had a lot of gifts and talents. And so he had to humble himself a lot to accept, you know, to accept direction, to accept uh, correction, to accept, because he could have 
left. He could have been ordained and gone right out there, made a lot of money, been a good priest, well-loved. And yet he took the direction of Don Cafaso and said, no, come to the Convito. You, you have more to learn. You have more to do. You have more to experience. Um, and so really taking that, yeah, trying to surround yourself with good wisdom figures, with people who could really help you, um, because we all, we have a lot to learn. You know, I'm constantly reminded of how, okay, yes, I'm ordained a priest, but I've got a lot to learn. Um, so Amy's shaking her head with a big, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so any last words? No. I have no idea. <laughs> I think, yeah, find your, like, cafasos in your life and, like, your own convito, like, where you can learn and grow and continue to grow. And that doesn't stop. I think, you know, that's the, for me, that's what stands out is that, like, Don Bosco kept learning and kept people in his life. And, um, like, yeah, and he borrowed from a lot of people and, and made it his own. And I think that's what we're also, like, called to do, even in the Salesian family, is to continue learning and making the spirituality our own so we can keep working you know and each of us working in the mission in our own way the way that we're called to and um but you know we don't like the same thing where you say you don't do it alone and you have to do it in a way that like you you are learning you're trying and yeah like for something bigger than yourself so um for me that was my what i wrote down or it's my own convito and then if they had a friend and so if we have friends and they're good and they know what we're doing then they can help us along the way so yeah amen any shout outs I want to give a shout out to Santiago. Whoa, hi, Santi. 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 I know. Hopefully you're listening to this one. But, uh, and then everybody else, no? I'll give one to two. Two. Two that I think are listening to. Caitlin and Molly. Oh. What's up, girls? What's up, girls? <laughs> uh, praying for everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for supporting. Thanks yeah. for praying for us. Thanks for all that you're doing as a Legion family. We hope to gather again. At some point, Soon. there's things coming up. If you're a young person listening to this, try to go to Seek. Seek yeah. is uh, in January. Go If you're in university, figure out if your university is going to Seek. It's a conference run by Focus in January in St. Louis. Look it up online. Ask your youth minister. Ask your campus minister. Um, but then, yeah, anybody who's part of the Sleeve family maybe wants to be on core team or we're going to have Marion Day coming up or we're going to have uh, Yar. Yar. May 30th to June 2nd. Got a lot of stuff. So, so much. Invite ask. people. Ask. And bring uh, for you guys. If you're not listening, well, hopefully you do eventually. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening hey, from the listener. October Sleeve Leadership Retreat and you listen to this yeah. episode as your second episode, amazing. <laughs> Let us know. If you're listening five years from this date, Hello, future. <laughs> All of these things have passed, but I hope we're still doing them. <gasps> Weird. Maybe Weird. they'll be the same dates by then. That's <laughs> true. All right, let's finish with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our lives. Uh, we just ask for the grace that we need for today. We're really praying for the Legion family and uh, just the many people. A lot of people are experiencing suffering and abandonment and violence and war and, and so many things that uh, didn't in our world. And we just pray for peace. We pray for hearts that can be converted, uh, humbled, and to really just open up to your grace and open up to your will. Uh, so we thank you for the example of St. John Bosco, who gives us the example today. And we thank you for the Legion family. And we ask for the grace to, to continue to live out our faith on a day-to-day -day basis and really love people and have peace in our hearts. Uh, so we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Mary Help of Christians. Pray, pray for us. St. John Bosco. Pray, pray for us. St. Mary Mazzarello. Pray for us. St. Francis de Sales. Pray for us. Live Jesus in our hearts. Forever.
name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Giuseppe Cafaso. Oh, San Giuseppe. He's a saint. Saint friend. He's What's right up? there. He's right on the know, top of the him. list of saints I, like, on our him poster. Every episode. He's the tippy tippy top. Tippy tippy top. top. Amen. Saint. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. God bless. Peace. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.